Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode four of my podcast, Aussie Talks. My name is Jordan, and today we have a really special episode as I'm joined by two of my good mates who need no introduction if you play for East Doncaster Cricket Club, Dex and Jaden. Welcome to the show, guys. Pleasure to be here, Jordan. Great introduction, guys. Um, We've got some great topics that we're going to speak about today, including the recent Justin Langer saga, um, the Winter Olympics being held in a communist country, and of that being China, and also looking at our big calls, which has been a brilliant segment so far. So without further ado, let's hop into our very first topic, the Justin Langer situation. question. You're telling me it did happen. I'm asking you, did it happen? I had the press conference and I blew up a bit. I'm asking, you asking me, I'm asking, did it happen? I didn't blow up, I actually stared at one of the, the journos who was asking me about Glenn Maxwell's selection and I sort of got a bit grumpy. No, I've got zero knowledge of that. So, recently, the state of Australian cricket in terms of winning and losing has been pretty good. Winning an Ashes series, winning the T20 World Cup and currently... Uh, number one test team in the world so what do we go and do we go and sack or not offer a contract to our coach who has been relatively successful dex what are your thoughts on the recent justin langer not giving him a contract um well i think that the way australian cricket was um post uh, and by during and even a bit before the the sandpaper gate was shocking. Like I think, obviously, huge issues in the locker room, huge issues on the field as well, um, and then kind of obviously cheating. Um, something had to change, and I think Justin Langer, like the Test documentary series, captured it perfectly. Like I mean, Justin Langer has done so much for Australian cricket. Obviously, being having one of the best, arguably one of the best opening partnerships in Test Cricket of all time um, with him and Matty Hayden and then obviously taking his taking his skills and his experience to the coaching field. I think um, he, he turned it around um, well and truly, did a full 180 and um, obviously won, what, two Ashes series, won a T20 World Cup, took him to the World Cup in 2019 semi-final, I yep. think. Um, like... He's done so much, and I get. I think it's just, it's just a bit sad and a bit like kind of a bit confusing to be honest. Why Cricket Australia have kind of just had a look at what he's done for Australian cricket and been like, yeah, cool, see you, mate. Like it's it's I, I, it's a bit disrespectful to be honest. I think that they haven't. They need. They should have valued him a bit more and either given him like a one year, just like give us give us. Um, what a, a T20 World Cup win again, um, and I don't know cu- a couple other series successes, and then kind of give him an option to whatever. But instead, they've just like blown the whole thing up. Really, just I mean, am I allowed to swear? Go ahead. Yeah, they're basically just <laughs> the whole situation. Like genuinely, I mean, like <laughs> they. You, like, you have a coach who's done so much, and then they've just been like, yeah, mate, see ya. Like, what What the hell? That's that. Anyway, Jaden, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, well, just to, to back to back up what Dex brilliantly summed up, um, it, it seems a bit weird that uh, the players can sort of decide the – well, determine the coach, like the situation of the coach. So what it seems like – is that the players were upset 
that um, Justin Lang is a bit too harsh or whatever. Now that they've started winning, they're like, oh, like we don't really need Justin Langer. We don't need him to be like so tough on us or whatever. But like him being tough on the players is actually like the reason they're so successful. So I don't know. I think I think they're going to struggle with, um, with it with a new coach. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't seem right that that's how the coach should be decided. It just seems like they're changing stuff for the sake of changing it. You know, if any other, like even put it in a in a school sense, if you've got a teacher doing a good job, why the hell would you sack the teacher? You know, hmm. even if they do a bad act, and I think you boys going to Trinity know exactly what I'm referencing here. <laughs> yep. um, but look, I've always loved the way Justin Lang has gone about it. As an Australian. Um, Australian cricket after Cape Town, we were in a mess. And look, it took a bit of a time for them to gain some respect back from the Australian public, um, whether it be a media personality or just in in general. But I've been watching the test uh, documentary um, back over again. So thanks, Jaden, for leaving your Amazon um, Prime details in my TV so I can uh, watch that. But <laughs> I had yeah. no idea you were doing that. That's he, um, stiff. <laughs> he, uh, he had an outburst, I think, in episode one or two, which basically summed up his way of coaching. And I think um, it hasn't helped with the changing captaincy after the Tim Payne situation. But um, look, I think they will basically, whoever's in charge of Cricket Australia's PR department is just terrible with what happened with Tim Payne, them stuffing that up along with... Uh, yeah, this whole uh, saga and putting Pat Cummins in front of the media to basically say, oh, you know, it's a player decision. Pig's bum, it's a player decision. You want to get someone in there who gives the power to the players when, to be honest, before Justin Lang was a coach, this was a relatively unproven Australian team who, you know, didn't really command the respect or the admiration from the Australian public as well as um, overseas um, teams. So I think it's one of the worst decisions Cricket Australia has uh, ever made and it'll uh, come back to bite in the arse probably. So we'll see what happens. So, although Australia isn't exactly um, a winter's wonderland, there is a semi-interest in the Winter Olympics, especially when we're winning medals at the moment. But the problem I have with it, and the problem I know the other two people in this podcast have with it, is that China, not exactly um, an incredible place to be, is currently holding this Winter Olympics decks. What is your view on the fact that China, and having been to China yourself, are allowed to host such a big event of the Winter Olympics? Um, I, I, I don't... I don't like it, to be honest. Like, I mean, obviously, they bring a lot of money and um, publicity as well, given they're such a massive country uh, with a huge fan base. And obviously, like, I mean, the, the, the key the key factor in hosting a Winter Olympics is the fact that it snows. Um, otherwise, I'd put Australia up there. Um, but I think it, it's just... They are a world power, but at the same time, like, you can't... Just because they're a world power doesn't mean you can kind of treat them as if they're doing nothing wrong. Like, obviously, my time in China was... I mean, it was eventful. It was for school. It was... It was fun, but at the same time, like, and I made a lot of memories, obviously, going to another country is also sick, but China's a shithole. 
like genuinely it's just like there's there's fog and just pollution in the air you can basically taste it but like if you get street food you get like a little box of noodles or whatever anyway and like you open your mouth and as you like kind of intake the noodles you also intake the pollution as well it just doesn't it's just not good it's just a bit yeah it's just not not great and i mean i think given their given given their uh human rights abusers and uh the uh the nuclear power plant um next to one of the uh the winter events it's like it's just not a great setting and i like i i've i've been keeping somewhat up to date with the winter olympics um certainly the australian curling team which i've discovered is my favorite sport um <laughs> but um like yeah i i just don't think that they should be um, hosting it, I think maybe in a in a couple Winter Olympics time, just kind of put it somewhere where they have, well, I guess more, well, better human standards, I guess, <laughs> uh, material and non-material living standards for all you Echo students out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just just no, I, I don't think they should be hosting the Winter Olympics. I think. I'm not a big fan of China um, for numerous reasons. I won't get into that, but um, yeah, I think it's just it's just not a not a good look for for the, the the Olympics committee to kind of be acting as if nothing's going wrong um, in in China, and then be like, oh yeah, cool, we'll give you the uh, the Winter Olympics, cover it up, you know, uh, Jaden. Yeah, well, for China, I think. Dex, you'll remember this. Um, the China actually got the Winter Olympics before all of this like started to come up because we went to the um, Olympic Park and they had the big countdown clock, like 900 days to go or whatever. Oh, yeah. And um, so I guess sort of they already gave it to China and um, you can probably see how it'd be difficult to, to take it take it away from them when it's been like prepared for so long but I do agree with Dex's points um, like the some of the human rights issues and like when when we went to China you know you could tell the government's like really controlling because like for all for the tourists going to China it's sort of like all glossed over like everything looks nice you don't really get to see the bad parts of China um, so like for us it just looked like oh Everyone's happy. Everyone loves China, but we don't really get to see the reality of what's going on. So, yeah, I think like some of the things that China have been like proven like to have done to their people and to like other countries and all that, like it doesn't really, it's not really ethically right for them to host the Winter Olympics. That's that's really all I I have to say about that. Yeah, I don't think there's anything I can really add to that. I think uh, you both put exactly what I was going to say um, in your points. I think the same thing happened, uh, I think, next year, or I think it's even this year, the the World Cup, it's in Qatar. And, you know, name one soccer player to come out of Qatar, like, seriously. So it's a shame that these big corporations are giving it to all these money-filled countries uh, that aren't exactly great for human rights or just with the world. Like, right now, China could help Russia invade Ukraine in the middle of the Winter Olympics. You know, this is meant to be the Olympics yeah. brings countries together and they could be supporting a, um invasion of a country. So there's something needs to be done about this because the fact that they get it is a complete joke. Um, and, yeah, you basically all just summed up what I was going to say. But, yeah, just not good yeah. enough from the International Olympic Committee. Nah, it isn't. Yeah, and, and, like, and, I mean... Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. Um, same, same with like F one, like kind of moving the uh, the the finale and kind of introducing more uh, Middle Eastern races. Like, I mean, it's great, great for the sport, great publicity, great money as well. Like the standard of the tracks and stuff have gone up. There's so much more money in F one, but like Abu Dhabi as a um as a as a final kind of. Like as the as a historic final like Grand Prix to conclude the seed season instead of like Interlagos, who which is like has history in the sport everything but they go where the money is it's a bit weird but I mean a cash is king and yeah I think it's just not great. So. Right now, we've got about a month, just over a month, until uh, a sport we all love here starts up again, the F1 season, and with the 2022 regulations coming into place. In the recent days, a few teams have started to release their liveries for the season. And, Jayden, I want to get your opinion on how the cars actually look um, and how we see a sort of lack of creativity a little bit um, with the cars released so far this season with the liveries um, looking at Haas very similar McLaren again very similar the only one that has really drastically changed not even drastically just changed a little bit is the Aston Martin so Jay what do you think of the look of the cars so far yeah well as you said it's just it, it is a little bit similar um, so I would have liked to have seen a little bit more creativity but obviously with like the new the new regulations it's going to be more how the cars themselves are different than the liveries but um yeah i think adding adding the light blues and the mclaren it, it's an interesting touch i'm not sure about how good it looks but um, it just it sort of make, makes it a little bit more interesting. The Aston Martin, I think, looks really nice, but the the Red Bull and the the Haas cars, they, I think they they really didn't try that much. I guess <laughs> they were sort of just making the car and then just copy pasted the livery because I don't know they didn't really care that much. But um, something Dex pointed out to me the other day was um was the difference between like the Aston Martin, the McLaren, the actual car. So like the Aston Martin, I'm not sure if you you've seen the picture of it, but it's a lot wider, and um, yeah, the McLaren's a lot skinnier, and like the the rear wings further back, and the wheels are forward. But um, I think yeah, the liveries themselves aren't overly creative, but I'm just looking forward to seeing how the cars will go for this year. Dex, yeah. over to you. Um, well, I think, yeah, the liveries were a bit of a disappointment, to be honest. Like, I mean, Haas, obviously, kind of with the white, the, 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 the blue and the red, like, I mean, it's a bit of a meh, but at the same time, like, they have a Russian, basic, like, running their team, basically, in Mazepin's dad. So I think, kind of, the Russian colours kind of make sense. I mean, bit annoyed, bit annoyed that they did change it, like, they didn't change it, rather. Um, I mean, McLaren, it's missing, it's either, it's either missing something or it's got too much going on. I, I don't know what's happening, but the light blue's a bit questionable, I think. It's, they, they could have done more with the, with the orange and the, and the blue that they've had for the last couple years. Um, or even, or even changed it back to the, uh, to the OG McLaren, the, uh, the silver and the red. I think that was absolutely phenomenal. And I think, given new new era, could go back to the old era in that, um, or even like the the silver and black. Who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, like I think 
the Aston Martin, um, I, I read something at the start of last year um, when they came into the sport, and it was like a prototype livery, and it was supposed to um, have the the lime green pinstriping, which I think is pretty sensational, to be honest. I, I do like that. The pink was a bit meh. Don't know why they had that. Um, and then the thing I... And then Red Bull, I mean, they've just obviously kept the same one, basically, for the past... Well, for their history in F1, I guess. Apart from, like, the tribute to, like, Star Wars and Super Hit, Superman and all that, um, which are pretty cute. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, the, the big change I'm looking for is Williams. I think I saw something um, on YouTube the other day, which was... They've completely switched up their livery, um, which will be good, kind of straying away from like the the blue and the white Williams colours that we've known known pretty well um, to see at the back of the grid every single race. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I would have liked them to every team to go a bit more off centre and irregular. Um, and then Jaden touched on the cars. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite interesting to see what the what the team are doing with like the length and the width of their cars obviously because they have regulations um i don't know the exact stats for them but you can you have a bit of leeway in terms of like width and length and i think um the mercedes has been the longest car um and therefore the most the the, the quickest um because they can fit um they can do like a bit more i guess like aerodynamic um increasing bloody weird things on their car whereas like the Red Bull has been quite small because they're notoriously quick around the corners. So I think, yeah, it should be interesting to see how the cars act up. I mean, obviously, liveries are one thing. To look good is one thing, but to actually drive well and perform well is another. And I think I'm just pumped for the season to start more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan? Yeah, it's... For me, the look of the cars is is very important. I think touching on what you said with the Williams, even this season, um, or the season just gone by, sorry, they sort of changed it up a little bit and copped a bit of uh, criticism for it because it was quite a bit different. But I think, I don't know if you guys saw the photo the other day. Um, It may have just been the setup that they were doing. But the Aston Martin car, when they revealed it, the front wing, literally you could have fit you could have like put a small country underneath the gap between the front wing and the the actual um, track the surface. So I don't. I'm not sure about the look of the cars to be honest this year. Um, obviously, oh, who cares what they look like if you know they bring amazing races? But obviously, it'll take some time to getting used to, and it obviously did with um, took some time getting used to when the halo got introduced. But the actual physical. Um, layout and structure of the car is what I'm more concerned about and I think it's yeah I'm just not a big fan of it to be honest and yeah. you want to change change all the regulations but if this ends up hurting F1's um, side-by-side racing there's going to be so much criticism because last season was the best season in years and years and years um just because we saw a brilliant overtakes um, with the likes of Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen. And if they do change something like this and they had an extra year to get it right, if it uh, the regulations don't help the sport, well, the people at the top are going to have to pay um, yeah. more so than uh, than anyone. But, yeah, that's sort of my my look on it. I think, um, like, yeah, I'm obviously, like, as, a, as an avid fan of, um, of F1 for many years, I've seen, obviously, like, 
pre pre turbo hybrid era, like the the good old V twelves, um, and and all that. And then I've also seen like obviously turbo turbo hybrid, and um and obviously the new cars. And I think I, I I'm not a big fan of the way they look. Like as in as cars, they're they're a bit weird. They're a bit simplistic, um, but. I think I watched a couple of videos on like kind of how they'll improve racing, and if they can do what they're supposed to do, I I am I will be so impressed by the quality of racing. But obviously, kind of there's there's only a couple things that the bloody Fusion 360 like programs maybe a bit more complicated than that, but um maybe like Fusion 540 or something. But um I think, uh, <laughs> but, but I think as, you, um, as everyone can see right now, Dex is the expert of F1 here. He's talking about Fusion rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not not a clue. Uh, well, well, it, it's not it's not so much F1. It's more what um, we used in school. But it's like it's a cav cav thing. So it's like 3D simulation well like building and simulations and stuff sorry anyway um (laughs) but no i think if they're if the cars do what they're supposed to do um obviously like there's one thing to go from a wind tunnel with a 3d bloody project to actual racing in a in a race environment i think but i'm if they do what they're supposed to do it'll be absolutely phenomenal i think big changes but at the same time that can mean big changes for the racing which means good good season um and i'm just pumped for australian grand prix with my with my tickets yeah anyway yeah jaden uh, anything to add or uh i've got nothing well i mean just uh saying what i'm saying before i'm i'm excited about um I want to see what Alpine do, how they put the, the pink on the car that they're trying to do. Ooh. I'm not sure how the blue and the pink will look if they, they're able to pull it off or not. But, um, yeah, that's all I have from a livery perspective. I don't really have much in, in t- intel on the, the fusion, the wind tunnels <laughs> that you've been oh. going on about for the last five minutes. I, I'm, just, I'm just a student of the sport, to be honest. <laughs> I think, yeah... <laughs> So big news in Australia at the moment. Yesterday, there was a massive protest in Canberra, the convoy to Canberra. It was all a bunch of um, workers who haven't been able to work because of the mandatory vaccine, uh, things that are being imposed by all forms of government. And Jaden, I want to let, I want to uh, get your insight on this. What is your view of these uh, large-scale protests, and do they actually have uh, uh, any potential of changing something with the vaccine mandates at all? Um, yeah, look, to be honest, I don't think the protests are going to have uh, any impact whatsoever on the on the government's policy because I think there's just such a, a large amount of people that um, don't agree with what... Uh, the protests are doing and um, I, I think the protests they aren't really very good because um, like not because the like the stance is terrible it's just sort of it sort of creates divide between the people who think that the mandate is right and and the people who think it's wrong and also a lot to do with the media portrayal of um, of the situation sort of um, because, like, as we know, media can be very biased towards one side or another, depending on 
um, who like who they support. I'm not going to say which um, media specifically, but um, like there's always very biased reporting. Like um, so, like one news company can say massive protests, outrage at the government, or like other types of media can say, oh, there was just like a small protest, not really uh, much was happening and you, and people were like inciting violence or whatever. So media can portray it in certain ways and only show certain details to people to sort of entrench themselves in their own view that the protests are good or bad. So I, I, don't, I think the media has a major role to play in these sort of issues and they... As, they, as they've done in America as well with the, the election last year or two years ago now um, they, they just they sort of create divide when it's when it's not really needed and it doesn't help anyone at all it's just so so the media can gain clicks and um, money so I think they need to be more responsible for uh, what they're what they're sort of doing but um, if Dex has anything to add to that. Um, well, I mean, I don't think protests are the right way to go about it. I mean, obviously, like, you need a it's, – it's a free country, so you want to get your word out and all that, but I think the protests aren't the right way to do it. I think, obviously, with the COVID whole Omicron um, – is that what we're up to, Omicron? Yeah, oh, it's the yeah. son of Omicron now, I think. Isn't that the fourth oh. variant, the son of Omicron? I don't I'm even sorry. know. I'm, I've I'm lost count. On my son, um, but like, yeah, whatever, whatever the f- bloody variants now. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's just not good because it could just turn into a super spreader event, which has happened in the past. Um, but I think, I don't know. I, it's like obviously, there's a question of like human rights in question. There's human morals. There's all this stuff. I think the divide isn't great because as like a country, as a state, as a city, as a community, uh, we should all be kind of together. And so, yeah, it's not it's not great, but um, I think, yeah, I mean, I my personal opinion, I don't think that the the mandate um, should be a thing. I think if you want to get vaxxed, get vaxxed, um, but it shouldn't lead to bloody kind of citywide, capital citywide protests. I think. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're doing your bit to protect yourself and others, then that's good. If you're not, then that's just a bit selfish. But um, I mean, yeah, I think you know, do do, do whatever you want to do. Um, I guess tell thing if you want to get vaxxed, get vaxxed. But if you don't, then you'll have to cop the consequences. Um, and don't get pissy with it and start protesting with little cardboard signs. It's not right. It's not right. That's either get vaxxed or stay home mate that's about it righto I think you're spot on with the fact that um, they probably shouldn't be mandatory we've got like a vaccine rate of like 94% um, countrywide for people over the age of like 10 the fact is this and I think even our um, people in our Friday night cricket team could even elaborate on everyone's going to end up getting COVID Hmm. you know we could have it now and we're just asymptomatic and got no idea. Um, and that's the thing. And this is where I don't think it should be mandatory from the fact that, you know, people can make their own decisions on their health. Um, 
whether it be based on religion, whether it be based on their view of the science or that sort of thing. Um, I don't know how closely you guys have seen what's been happening in Canada um, with these convoy um, protests, but they're basically camped out outside uh, Canada's Prime Minister or Parliament, sorry, and good old Trudeau's um, you know, undisclosed location hiding because there's like 500,000 truckers all just out there in freezing cold temperatures protesting. So I think that's what the, the protesters nowadays are trying to, um, or in Australia, are trying to uh, get when they're trying to um, have that sort of response from the the government. But it's, I don't think it's going to happen. It is, it is a very interesting thing i saw some drone shots of it yesterday of them walking over a bridge and sort of crazy how many people are are on board on this thing and you know whether you support that or not that that's irrelevant from the fact we've got that many people who think that they need to um use their right to you know have this platform to say and preach whatever they um they so please but yeah the my whole thing is that they shouldn't be mandatory will these protests do anything i I highly doubt it Uh, i just hope it doesn't get violent and that's what happened uh in victoria a few months ago with the the tradies when they protested it got violent people got hurt police you know got tackled and everything as soon as it gets violent that's where the general public just lose the any sort of trust or um respect of the protesters so if they can you know keep it non-violent and you know keep doing these uh protests they'll get a bit of media attention um and people in the public will respect the fact that they're doing it um despite the fact that they may not agree with their whole um belief system behind it Okay, it is now time for what has been dubbed a very favourable segment um, by all of my listeners. It is time for Jordan's Big Call. Now, today, it is not just Jordan's Big Call, it is also Jaden's and Dex's, and I want to start with you, Jaden. What is your Big Call? Well, just sort of going along with the the theme of the recent Australian Open, and I know how much we all enjoyed the Nick Curios and Tanasi Kokonakis special K's performance, winning the the doubles, the men's doubles Grand Slam. Uh, my my big call is that uh, by the Australian Open next year, Nick Curios and Kokonakis will be the number one ranked doubles pair in the world. I like it. I like it. All right. I'll swing over to me now. Um, My big call... (laughs) Sorry to take control, but my big call is going to be one that you'll know very soon whether it is correct. My big call is that Joe Burrow, the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, will win Super Bowl MVP tomorrow with throwing for over 350 yards and the Bengals winning by a margin of 3 to 10 points against the LA Rams. I'd also like to give a quick little shout-out to Tommy Robbo, who suggested (laughs) that I make a big call on Joe Burrow, so there's a little shout-out for you there, mate. Um, Dex... Over to you, mate. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a big call. Um, it, it's it's quite locally uh, locally relevant, not so much internationally or even nationally. Um, I'm making the big call that um, th- there will be there will be a double premiership for the East Donny Cricket Club <laughs> with, with with the twos. <laughs> 
winning, winning, winning on the big dance, and and the under eighteen SJ Hamilton's sneaking in there. Obviously, we can't lose another game, um, but to make finals. But I reckon with the list we have, we're capable. So up, Donny, Ed Ball boys, Ed Ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. There we go. So we, we've had a um, a few national big calls, an international big call, and now we have one um, with a very local sense with our home ground being about 30 metres on the uh, offside boundary. So there you go. That was the segment of Big Call. So with what broke in the news yesterday was really heartbreaking for every Australian cricket fan. One of the superstars or young superstars um, that we feel Australia would have had, Will Pekoski, suffered either his 10th or 11th, I'm not quite sure, um, concussion. In the warm-up for a Sheffield Shield match, he got hit in the head with either a soccer ball or a volleyball, as reports are saying. Um, very heartbreaking for every cricket fan. Dex, what were your thoughts when you when you saw this in the news yesterday? Oh, I was just shocked. Like, genuinely, I was just shocked. Like, I mean, I can't believe it. Oh, <clears throat> um, But like, I can't believe it. Like, genuinely, he's, he's such a promising young player. I mean, obviously, being kind of out for quite a while with concussions throughout his career and then to kind of come back post 50 and then warming up with a bloody soccer ball out again with concussion I mean like I've had I've had mates um, and my sister played with an absolute gun um, footy player and cricket player and she had uh, delayed concussion um, and it kept popping up, and I think she's had about four or five of them now. And it can just, like, it's just something you've got to be super wary of. And I think, like, it just truly shows that how delicate our brains and our heads are. Um, and I think kind of does bring into question the uh, the concussion kind of preventative strategies that we could implement, I guess, with, with cricketing helmets or something like that. But, I mean... There's only so much you can do. I think, I mean, like, if he keeps getting concussions, it could cause some serious brain injury if he doesn't have that already. Um, and, I mean, like, retirement's got to be in the question. I think, like, it, it's real sad to say that, but at the same time, retirement may have to be in the question. Like, it's not it's not healthy for him to kind of keep rehabbing, coming back, and then, you know, being out the next game with a bloody head injury that's just that's just not great um, for him or for his team I guess but um yeah yeah um, what, what I would say on that is um obviously Dex covered it pretty well but uh, I was reading I was reading an article and um they were speaking about would it is it even like ethically right for the Australian selectors to pick Pekovsky for their team knowing that he has such a high chance of getting a concussion. Um, but it's it's sort of like... I think it's sort of like a one-in-a-million thing. Like, you don't really see cricketers going down with concussions this often. Like, get, getting hit with a cricket ball on the head is obviously pretty severe, but generally you don't go down with a concussion every time it happens. So, obviously, there's ways for the safety of the helmet to be improved but um i think it's sort of just a bit it's a bit of a freak accident and 
I don't think the the safety of the batsman is really in question that much. It's sort of just terrible luck for Pekovsky that um, yeah. such a talented player has to deal with, with this many concussions. Yeah, I, I, absolutely spot on. And look, this one's just a freak accident, a soccer ball. Like, it's just, it's, it's almost, it's these sort of things that I look at and I'm like, fire it. There's got to be something else involved in this, a higher bloody power looking at this, because, like, what are the chances? Um, look, 11, 10 or 11 concussions. Um, look, I look at it, and I think Dex um, would also relate to this, our former number one pick, Paddy McCartan. Um yeah. He, he played only 20 to 30 games of AFL football, got about seven or eight concussions. And, you know, he, uh, he's he been signed by the Sydney Swans. He took 18 months off um, footy to just see professionals and all that stuff. Um, and I think that's what Pekoski probably going to have to do. He, um, The fact that a soccer ball, you know, gets him is just ridiculous but it's even other things um i don't know if you guys remember midway through last year he got a concussion by hitting the door frame in his house his head hit the door frame and he got a concussion in his own house you know like what in the actual hell um but look he's only 24 i we're not in a position to say what he should or shouldn't do and i think it's been pretty disgraceful from the media over the past 24 hours to say oh he needs to retire it's not up to you it's up to professionals it's up to doctors and i think it's also another example of the media um being first not always right when it got when i saw it yesterday um when it got broken on sen's twitter page it was he got hit in throwdowns then it got it was apparently when he was fielding now it's a soccer ball so it's just an example of media there but who knows what he's gonna have to do i remember when he played i think it was either one or two tests a couple of summers ago um and he just you could see the the promise with him and with david warner only being like 35 he could have been that next australian opener for years and years and he still can be but it's always it's always health first. So I think he's been hit in the head six times with a cricket ball with a concussion. The rest are unrelated um, to cricket incidences um, within warm-ups and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's ultimately I think he needs to take a bit of time away um, from the game, from, you know, a lot of sport and just focus on seeing professionals, whether it be in America like Paddy McCartan did or in Australia, and just seeing the, what the, the best thing to do is um, and the best course of action. Because um, when I saw it, I was, yeah, I felt so bad for the guy. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's like, obviously there's there's so much. Like, it hasn't really, like, concussion hasn't really been prevalent in kind of worries for athletes until recently, obviously, Will Smith movie um, concussion, which is like documentary movie type thing. But and then even that, like I, I, I have until uh, two years ago, which was my last season of AFL footy. Um, I've never, I'd never played without headgear, and and like yeah, I got copped on the head a couple times, whatever. Like I mean, I got straight back up. It was so what. Well, I'm not saying that's down to the headgear, but like he he's got to he's got to do some medical like scans or something to figure out what's wrong with his head because like I'm not saying like he's mentally cooked but like he's he, there has got to be something wrong like physically with either his brain the way it is in his skull or his skull or something where it's just hypersensitive because like I've like I've smacked my head on playgrounds 
running next to full pelt and kind of gone to duck and clipped my head. I've, I mm. mean, I've ran into a couple of poles and doors in my time just because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> like, I mean, like, and I've I've never gotten a concussion. Oh no, I think I've gotten one concussion total, and I've played, been playing sport my entire life, been hit in the head numerous times, like with footy ball, hockey ball, whatever. Um, but like, I mean, yeah, I think like I had a mate who, if he got like, kind of bumped. Um, lighter than I don't know like a, a bit of like I don't know if you kind of just pat yourself on the back relatively hard if he got touched any more than that um, he he was at risk of bleeding because he had a spleen problem or something I don't know what was there but it's kind of something like that and it's just you, you gotta you gotta get like get fully medically checked out to be like sure and yeah I mean I, I don't think Australian cricket can select him uh, until he actually gets a diagnosis or something sorted because it's it's not safe. It, it's not. No. All right. That is the end of a very special episode, episode four of Aussie Talks. I'd like to give a big thanks to my two guests today and my first ever guests on the podcast, Dex and Jaden. Thank you once again, guys, for coming on the show. No worries, Jordan. Pleasure. Anytime. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jordan. No. No worries. Um, looked at some really good discuss, uh, topics here today from uh, the Justin Langer situation and every and uh, the anti-vaccine protests, to name a few. Got some good things lined up for the future of this podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, my Instagram is at jordanm underscore 340. Or if you don't have Instagram, you get into contact with me on Twitter at jordanm340. So, without further ado, end of the episode, guys. Take care of you, listeners, and cheers.